Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Can we just linger there for just a little bit right now? Hallelujah. We call on the most holy name of Jesus. We magnify you. We've come to this place for one purpose. It's not to see one another. We've come to visit with Jesus Christ right now. We're sitting at your feet, Lord Jesus. We declare right now you are holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We worship you. There's none like you. There's none one close to you, O oh God. Hallelujah. We magnify you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship this morning. God, you're so good. Well, we welcome all of you that's here in this room, worshiping God, giving your very, very best in worship to Him. We welcome those who are watching online. Uh, we welcome our guests that are here. Some are traveling in, visiting family, and we're glad that you're here today. Right now, we just want to get into the Word of God and allow Him to move on our hearts. I have this title for this message, and and uh, believe me, I, there's some who believe that, hey, you shouldn't even give a title of message, just give the word, but I, I believe the Lord wants us to capture what he wants to speak to us that day, and, and so I, I work hard to, to, to pray and seek, Lord, what is a message? A lot of times they come right out of the scripture, like this one here. Here is a word of comfort. Go ahead and say it with me. Here is a word of comfort. How many could use a word of comfort today? So if you're visiting with us, and, or if you're used to this, uh, we have outlines for you. Uh, a little bit different today. Normally I have something up in the top right-hand corner with a thought. There's a little bit of that there, but not as much, and you'll see why here in a moment. But before we get into the Word, we always like to start off by declaring what we believe. Now, I'm not talking about the Declaration of Faith. Some of you could probably quote that, and, uh, maybe some not, but, uh, uh, but we do stand on that as our movement. We believe those things, and we stand on that. But at that one, our declaration begins that we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. So we make a declaration here to affirm that we want to not only just say we believe this is the Word of God, but we want to receive from the Word of God today. If our hearts are not open, we won't receive. And so let's make this declaration right now. I believe this is the Word of God. I believe it's fully the Word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm ready to receive from God's Word today. I'm alert, I'm listening, and I'm hungry. Lord, open my ears to hear and my heart to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Doesn't it feel good to say that? Just to say, I, this is what I believe. There's a lot of people walking around. They don't know what they believe. Today, they'll believe this, and tomorrow, they'll believe something else. They're not firm. They'll believe false things. Let's believe the truth. This is the Word of God. This is truth. And I know sometimes I go off on saying it because this is what we've got to stand on. This is what we've got to use as our moral compass and our standard. It's, it's not just a, a guidebook with some suggestions. This is the, the Word of God that tells us how we should live and how we can know God. How many wants to know God in this, in this room? This is how you know Him. And this is how He reveals Himself to us in this divine special revelation called His Word. So let's jump into this today. I'm going to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I have a, a place of this, of this book that I want to focus on, but I thought it would be good today to kind of give a little bit of background of the, of the letter as we're building up to the point. And so, without taking any credit, because these titles that you have uh, is not something I sat down and wrote. I actually looked in my Bible, and, and uh, there's these headings. Anybody ever noticed those headings before? Those are there to help you understand what's happening in the passage. And so I went ahead and used those for our uh, background today. Now, uh, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. And he visited uh, the Thessalonian church. He helped establish that church, but because of uh, some persecution on him, uh, he had to take off and leave. And later on, he sends uh, Timothy in to, to minister to them. And so this is a letter that Paul writes. And, and so if you look at Paul's life, he was converted. He, he became a Christian uh, around 33, 34 A.D., 
Uh, this was probably written around 50-51 A.D., so there's some time right there after his conversion. Uh, and then he dies around, I think, 64-65 A.D. Just to give you a little bit of context, this is one of his early letters uh, but this is to a church that is, that is in a place, it's the, it's the uh, capital of Mes- uh, Macedonia uh, at that time, and so there's a lot of things going on, and, and they were persecuting even Christians, they, 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 it wasn't easy for them, and so Paul, if you're reading through the whole letter, is concerned about their faith. He says, I visited with you, I gave you the message of Jesus Christ, many of you came and gave your heart to the Lord, but because of the things that's going on, I'm concerned about your faith, and you'll see that in this, this outline. So I'm not going to spend very much time on this, but just want to walk through so you understand the letter. Isn't it good to understand what we're reading? It, it's really good, because some of you will get to the, some of the end of the passage, like, oh, I I love that verse. I, I love that passage. Uh, but there's some things leading up to it, and that's what is also important for us to know. So the book opens up with the greeting in verse in chapter one. Then it talks about their good examples. Paul is commending them of your good examples as believers in Christ in the midst of persecution and chaos. You're a good example. Paul then talks about his own conduct when he was with them, and he's doing that to revalidate that, hey, uh, you saw how I lived before you, and so you need to listen to me in this letter. Okay, So he's kind of speaking about himself, uh, reaffirming that, hey, God is in my life. He's anointed me to do this, and so you need to listen to what I'm saying. Then he talks about their conversion in chapter 2. He goes back and he says how he presented the gospel to them and, and how they were converted. And then he begins at the end of chapter 2, he says, I'm longing to come see you again. I wish I could come and, and be with you. In chapter 3, he talks about the concern for their faith. And, and, and I just alluded to that a little bit because of the persecution. He's wondering, are they holding on? So they didn't have FaceTime back then. They just pick up the phone and look at them like, how's it going? Uh, it, you know, they had to correspond through messenger, through, uh, through letters, and it took a while to get word back. So Paul was concerned, and so he sends Timothy to them to encourage them, but he's encouraged by Timothy to hear the good report that they're holding on. Amen? That their faith is being strong. And, and so he says a prayer for the church. I want us to look at those verses real quick. He begins to pray for the church in this way. He wants to give them a word of comfort, but here's the prayer first. Now may our God, this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we did to you. Now pick up what he's saying. There's a, there's a key characteristic of believers and followers of Christ that needs to be evident in the church. You can probably see it right there. It is love. Make an increase and abound in love. We need to increase our love. We have a, a theme around here for our culture. We want people to be known, noticed, and it's right from the Word of God. We need to increase knowing people noticing them and loving them. This is how the, the Word of God is teaching us, and this is what brings the unity. This is what brings the strength and what brings the, uh, us to hold on together in times of hardship and persecution. The church needs to stand together. 
See, our culture is even hard for us to sometimes uh, uh, to correlate with some of this and, uh, and to see what's going on because we're living in, in houses all over the city. We're not all huddled together really easy to just walk outside and, and we're just right down the street. We're at church together and doing life together. We, we're scattered and we come together on Sunday and some other times through the week. This is a community that, that are living together. Experiencing life together. They're, they're close to, to one another. And he's saying you need this unity because even though you're all together, there's an enemy against them and they're fighting against them. But they're holding on and they're encouraging one another to stay in the fight. And that's part of our calling. Stay in the fight. Hold on. The world wants to try to bring you down. The enemy definitely wants to try to bring you down. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will lift you up and hold you and, and keep you and guide you and guard you. So may the Lord make an increase and abound in love to one another and to all. So you need to to love your neighbor because we want to bring them into the fold. We want to see them brought into the kingdom of God. And so the, the, the people around us need to see the love of God in us, not hatred. Need to see love. When you disagree... And we disagree with a lot of things that's going on in our, in our government and in, 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 our, in, our, in our world right now in the United States. But we have to still be a people of love. We have to have it on our face. We have to have it on our social media. Uh-oh. We can get ugly really fast. And we can disagree. We can definitely disagree with a lot that's going on. But we've got to stand up and love and pray. Not just be loud symbols that makes a lot of racket right we've got to be people of love verse 13 this is why so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness why do we need to have this how many likes to be blameless you know some people like to uh, to take the sacrifice like i'll take the blame for that the victimize themselves, right? Like, I'm going to cover for them. I'll take the blame for that and kind of gives them a badge of honor. Now, here, we need to be blameless because of the way that we love. It's not, the, it's, we need to be blameless where we say, well, it's not my fault they didn't hear the gospel because I showed love. But if we're not showing love, they may reject the gospel because they don't see true love in us, the true characteristics of Christ. We've got to be people of love. So we can be blameless. So they don't have any reason to say to us that I don't want to hear what you're preaching. I don't want to hear what you're saying. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about your lifestyle. But when they see that the love of God is in us, like I want to know more about you. I want to know more about what you believe. I, I want to know more about your God. And we can say that my God can be your God. Because there is only one true living God. We need to be blameless. Our hearts be blameless in holiness. How do you, how do you have your light shining? It's through holiness. And you've heard the illustration so many times before of the, the old kerosene lanterns. Anybody remember those old things? And, and now we don't. Now we just put batteries in something and it glows and it lights up the neighborhood and planes try to land in your backyard, right? Because it's so, they're so bright, right? But we used to have a, a kerosene lanterns. And, and when they were real flames and, and the smoke, what would it would do to the, to the globe? It would get dirty and, and it would get that, you know, dusty and, and fogged up and, and the light couldn't shine very bright out. So you would have to take the globe out and you would have to sanctify it. You would have to cleanse it to, so the light could shine bright. How many wants the light of Christ to shine bright in your life? It, it's, it's through walking in a life of holiness. We'll never get away from the message of holiness. In fact, if you stay in this book, you'll see it some more. 
You say in this, uh, in this uh, letter that Paul writes, you'll see it some more. So we've got to be blameless and holiness before our God and Father for what? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again? And he's looking for a holy church. He's looking for us to, to live in righteousness so our light can shine for him to minister to those who are lost and dying and those that, that have, uh, are not calling out to the Lord. But we need to be a witness so they'll cry out to God because we have the message of truth. And then in, verse, or in chapter 4, he starts it off this way. And of course, his letter didn't have the chapter and verse. He was continuing his thought. They broke it up for us to have easier reading. But here's the thought here. Under this heading, he gives a plea for purity. Say that with me. A plea for purity. He just talked about holiness, but now he's given this plea. You need to live a holy lifestyle for purity. Why? He says, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. You need to listen to what we've been teaching. You need to be listening to what we're preaching. We're, we're exhorting you. We're urging you to abound more and more. Keep growing in this. It's part of our mission. It's a good place to place, put this in. It's part of our vision. It is for every believer, every person connected with our church uh, to be growing in the knowledge of God. We have this mission of grace. Growing, receiving, answering, committing, and evangelizing. We're using that across it. We're wanting them to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the tools for ministry. We want them to accept the calling to ministry. Every one of us is called to do something for the kingdom of God. We want to commit to the, to the world harvest. Uh, there's a globe out there that needs to hear the gospel. And so when we give into our missions uh, and those things, we're helping send missionaries out to spread the good news around the world. And we want to evangelize to the lost and the hurting. Lord, help us to abound in us more and more just as you received us from us and how you ought to walk and to please God. Verse 2. For you know what the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. You know them. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. A word that we don't like to talk about a lot, but I don't mind talking about it. We need to be sanctified people. In this realm of holiness and righteousness, this is right from the Word of God. That's why I'm reading this letter to you verse by verse. This is not just a preacher coming up with a, a slogan. This is not just a movement saying we believe in sanctification. No, this is right from the Word of God. Paul is telling the church that he, he established there in Thessalonica, you need to be sanctified. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Why is he addressing these things? Because it's happening all around them and, and where they're living. In this capital city of Macedonia, this is, this is what's happening there. And you're in the midst of it, so you've got to be aware. You've got to put up your guard because the cultures are going to say it's okay. But it's not a life of holiness. It's not going to make you pure. It's not going to keep you pure if you get tainted by the, uh, the thoughts and the culture of the world. You need to be changed. And we've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we walk different. Uh, we talk different. We act different than the world does. Uh, we're acting uh, and lining up with the Word of God, not what they say is okay. I mean, look at the day that we're in. So I'm reminded. My wife just a few weeks ago uh, was sharing when we were in a, a plane not long ago that she saw a rainbow. And that morning I began to talk a little bit about the rainbow and said that God is telling us to take it back, right? As some are saying that. Because the rainbow doesn't, it doesn't represent diversity of lifestyles. It represents the promise of God. 
Guess what I saw on the way to church this morning? Amen, I did. I saw a rainbow this morning. I was driving down Central Avenue and it was a cross. I'm like, praise the Lord, and I can't give up on this. This is what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what culture says. And, there, and, and this is the reason why. They've been bought into a lie. When their hearts are not towards God, they're going to believe things that doesn't even make sense. Doesn't, and there's no common sense to all these letters that they're putting on with the plus at the end because they can't come up with enough. It doesn't make, it, it counter, it's counter to the Word of God. There's a fight for our souls. There's a fight for our lives. Uh, the enemy's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's raising up an enemy that, that doesn't understand even what they're doing. And so they're coming up with all these things. The church has to stand strong and say, we stand on the word of God. We're going to love the individual. We're going to pray for their redemption. We're going to pray for their transformation. But we can never, never accept sin as a lifestyle. So Lord, help us with this. It's not popular. And soon, don't, don't be surprised when we start saying little things like that, Facebook will close us down. But we're not here to please Facebook. That's why it's important for people to get away from leaning on technology to get the Word and get back into the Word. Not just relying on a live stream service for their service of the week unless their schedule just doesn't work. I get that. But if you're able to be in the house of the Lord, I encourage you in these last days, get back to the house of the Lord. This is where we gain our strength together in unity. This is where we're encouraging one another. This is where we can pray for one another, lay hands on one another. Anybody read that in the Bible? It's hard to lay hands on somebody through the camera. We're trying, we can pray, we know that God can touch you, but there's something when you have a physical touch, when someone puts their hand on your shoulder, or someone holds your hands at the same time and they're praying and we're interceding, it's important that we gain strength from one another, amen? This is what Paul is talking about. He was encouraging them because of their faith that they were, they were strong. He was, he was kind of surprised when he, got the, when he got the message back. They're doing good. So he commended them on that. Thank you for your faith, but I'm going to give you some insight. He says, you're, for your faith to increase, you need to make sure that you're living a life of holiness, that, that you're living a life that is sanctified, that you're staying away from these things. Verse 4. He goes on, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Amen. He uses the word twice just to put a stamp on it. Amen. He goes on with the list, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. We've got to be different than the world. You're not different because you wear a certain hat that says, I'm different than the world. That doesn't make you different. You're different when your actions are different, when your speech is different, when your conduct is different. This is why Paul talks about his own conduct earlier on, because he wanted them to say, I can be an example. And that's why Paul later on says, follow me or imitate me as I what? Imitate Christ. And, and so that needs to be the place that we get to, that Lord, help me be such a great witness that someone, I can say, you need to kind of do it like I'm doing. And that's hard for a lot of Christians to say. I don't want to put that responsibility on myself. That's, I don't always get it right. No, we don't always get it right, but we better get it right enough to say you need to follow what I'm doing. 
We need to be a light. We need to be an example. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, right? So if we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we should be doing it right. Verse 6 says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in the matter. He's talking about life that's going on. He says you need to live in holiness. You shouldn't take advantage of or defraud a brother in, in any matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. He, he's given them insight of how to live. He says you're going to be walking in here in this life. There's going to be people who offend you. There's going to be things, people that do wrong things to you. So don't take advantage and defraud them. But because the Lord is the avenger, you can count on him to take care of it. Amen. Someone needs to hear that. Maybe you're, someone online needs to hear that today. Let the, let, we said it this morning, the battle belongs to the Lord, right? Amen. We fight on our knees, he fights our battles for us. Verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. He didn't call us to be unclean. He called us to be holy. Therefore, he who rejects, this is so important, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us the Holy Spirit. When someone hears this message, watching online, is passed on to someone else or in this room, and you hear these things about living a holy lifestyle, separate than the world, living a sanctified life, knowing that if, it's, if it doesn't line with the Word of God, I've got to shed that off my life. I've got to crucify the flesh. It may not be easy. It may not be easy for some because it's like if I make it this change, it's going to change my whole world. I mean, life, it can't be normal. I, I've got a routine here, and it, but it involves living in, in sin, but, but I love God. You can't do both. Amen. It's the Word of God. This is not coming down on anyone. It's not my mind is going to certain people who might be watching online or in this room. It's just it's repeating what the Word of God says. We've got to line up with His Word. Because if you don't, if you're not striving for holiness, if you're not walking in righteousness, you're not rejecting anything that man is saying. Now, we're not given a list. I mean, Paul gives a lot of lists to stay away from these things. But we're not going around looking at everybody who's like, are you doing this? I'm marking that on your list. That's going against you. That, we're not the judge. You're not rejecting what man is saying. You're rejecting what God is saying. How many wants to offend God? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I do not want to offend God. I'm make sure you're awake because I know some of you are like, oh, you, 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 you've heard about the person that's sleeping and their wife nudged him. He stood up to go ahead and pray, right? It wasn't the time. Stay awake. Stay with me right now. Sometimes we say that these messages are not easy to preach. Really, they're not hard to preach when you're just reading the Word of God. Amen. This is not bringing condemnation. This is responding in love. God, we want to line up with your Word. Amen. You're like, I thought you were going to comfort us. That's what the title of the message was. Here's a word of comfort. We're getting there. Hold on. But who rejects this rejects God. But he gives us the Holy Spirit. This last section of chapter 4, he talks about a brotherly and orderly life. How many wants a life of order? And that brotherly means uh, the right relationships with one another. So he says this, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
Now, you, you kind of catch what he's saying. I really don't have to tell you this because you already know it. Anybody ever started a conversation with you like that? What are they doing? They're telling you what you need to know. <laughs> They're trying to remind you, you should already know this. But just in case, I'm going to remind you again. But he's also doing it in a, in a word of affirmation. I really don't need to say this because you're doing it. But I want to affirm that you're doing it. So it can work both ways. He's saying, I don't need to write to you about uh, how to love one another because you've been taught to love one another by God. And indeed you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. We need to have more love. That's what he's saying. We, we need to grow in holiness, and holiness will spark our love. Because when you've got junk out of your life, you see people differently. Amen. When you have junk in your life, it taints your vision. It's like that globe. It's, it's tarnished, and, and, you, and the light can't shine through, and you can't see in. But when we get things cleaned up, we see people differently. We have a compassion on them. We respond, and we act differently. He said also that you will aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands as we commanded. He's saying, you've got to work to eat. can't be lazy. You're not in everybody else's business. You're living a quiet life, pleasing God. This is what he's saying. This is the conduct of a, a believer's. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside. There's going to be people outside of faith. That you deal with them every day. You're working with them. You may go to school with them. They may be in your family. So you're engaging with these people. So you need to do it the right way because you're representing me. Verse 13. But I do not want you. This is where the transition takes place. This is where the comforting comes in. And I'm going to give you the preface of what's going on. See, they were under persecution in Macedonia. There were some that were killed. There's some being persecuted, and they're, they're wondering, why is this taking place? How do we hold on? But, and Paul is encouraging him when this happens. He goes, I, want you, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in the faith. Least your sorrow as others who have no hope. You've been there before at different funerals. There, there's a difference for a funeral of a believer, especially when they live a the good life, knowing that they're on their way to heaven. Amen. We mourn differently. There's still grief. There's still mourning. We can't get past that. That's, and I've said it many times in different ways that God gives us the gift of grief. He, he gives us the, the ability to work through that, not on our own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. He helps us work through those things. But when you have that comfort, to have that hope, I know that they're in the arms of Jesus. It's different. But I've been at funerals where the person lived a horrible life. They were trying to dig up people to try to find something good to say about them. <laughs> there was no hope for them. And some would just mourn and mourn and weep so hard because they're like they had no hope for them. But we have a hope in Jesus. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, anybody believe this? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. How many of you want to be like Christ? Amen. Then go ahead and shout every once in a while because we see that Jesus shouts, amen? amen? 
He shouted with a voice of victory, I'm coming back to call my church home. I'm stepping on the cloud right now, and I'm calling you. Why is this important that we look at this message today? Because of all the things that's going on around the world, people are trying to find out. They believe we're in end times. I believe we're in end times. And the end time started when Jesus ascended to heaven. At that point, he was going on his way to heaven, and he's looking for the right time to come back when the Father says, go and get my children. Amen? And this is a scene we see. He's going he's to ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. How many believe what we're reading right now? This is where we get excited because I believe that we could be the church that's going to be raptured, amen? That Jesus Christ can come at any time, at any moment, but we need to be ready. And then we who are alive and remain. This is what Paul is trying to say. I heard about your faith, and, and I'm telling you, stay in the faith. Keep growing in your faith. Keep loving one another. When things around you get discouraging, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Uh, when it looks like there's persecution, that's going to come. Uh, the Bible never tells us that we're not going to have persecution. In fact, Jesus himself says, I say these things to you that you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And so we have hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's going to be things that happen all around us, but we keep our eyes on Jesus. Then those who remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, say it with me, comfort one another with these words. Uh, if somebody's going through a hard time, we say, hold on. Jesus is coming back again. Uh, your troubles may seem very hard. Uh, it may feel like it's the end of the world, but it's not. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. There's nothing too impossible for him to bring you through, and if you keep in his hands uh, by calling on him and following him, there's a promise that we will either go by death or go by rapture, but we're going to be in heaven. This is the message of the church. This is why we follow Jesus to go to heaven. Amen? Amen? I follow Jesus because he died for me. I follow Jesus because he gave me new life. I follow Jesus because he gave me a hope. I, I follow Jesus because he gave me a promise that if I will continue to keep my eyes on him and walk with him, the Holy Spirit leads me, I will one day be in heaven for eternity. This is the promise of the word of God, and this is why we need to make sure we're getting that message out. That's why we prayed for prodigals last week, and we'll keep praying because we don't want them to miss the rapture of the church. Is there going to be people saved in the end times? Yes, the Bible talks about that, but it's not going to be easy for them. When the grace of the Holy Spirit's been taken, I mean, believe, thank God for the grace that the Holy Spirit marks on our hearts' doors and moves on us. That's why we can't take a chance. Help us, O oh Lord. Comfort one another with these words. So let's do the Bible. You ready? This week, I want you to read Acts chapter 1, 1 through 8. I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, help me be a witness who gives words of comfort that you are the great Redeemer who forgives sins and has prepared heaven for those who call on your name to be saved. Let me read more time. Lord, help me be a witness who gives words of comfort that you are the great Redeemer who forgives sins and has prepared heaven for those who call on your name to be saved. I know you're filling in the blanks, but read it with me if you can. Let's say it with declaration. Lord, help me be a witness 
who gives words of comfort, that you are the great Redeemer who forgives sins and has prepared heaven for those who call on your name to be saved. So let's make this in practical for the day that we're in. We go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 6. This is to them, but this is important for us too. He's talking to the disciples. Therefore, when they have come together, they asked him, talking to Jesus, Lord, will you at this time? Now remember, this is after his resurrection. This is after he was buried, after he was crucified, buried, and rose again from the dead. He's with his disciples after the resurrection, and they're asking him, Now, Lord, since you did that, since you conquered the grave, and you kept your word. You, you said you, you were going to die and raise another third day. And we didn't know really what that meant. And, and some of us even got a little weary during that time. We denied you. Peter's like, I denied you. But he's saying, they're asking, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Because Israel wasn't in, the, in command. There was an occupation by the Romans that were there. The Roman soldiers that took Jesus to the cross. They didn't belong there. That wasn't their land. It's Israel. This is the land of the people of God. But they were overcome. And they're asking. It seemed like a valid question. Is this, is this so all this happened? Does this mean that you're coming and restoring the kingdom of Israel? Look at what Jesus says. It's not for you to know the times or season which your fathers have put in his own authority. It, he's saying don't get caught up in that. Don't worry about that. But I've got a different mission for you. How many is good at multitasking? Put your hands down. You're not. They, the studies have showed people can't do two things at one time. People say, I, I, can, I, can, I can do two things. No, you can't. You can only do one thing at the same time. Your mind can only handle You might be able to jump really quick. What Jesus is saying, don't multitask. Don't get worried about this. What you need to be focused on is this. Some of you may be supervisors and bosses leading people and they're doing things at work and you're like you, you got too much going on right now i need you to stay on focus on this task this is more important this has got to get done because if you do this over here and how many knows like the enemy likes to get us off my wife's laughing because i'm very good at getting started a project and see something over there i'm like oh i need to go do this wait but to do this i need to do this first I'm jumping all over the place. I've lost my focus. I, I can't get this done until I really do this. I've got to get back on focus. And this is what Jesus is saying to them. It's not for you know the time or seasons. How many believe that word is still for us right now? I know there's a war going on over in Israel. It, it's, in, it's falling into the end times. And I want to understand what's happening but I don't want to lose focus on the mission that God said, that Jesus said to us. What's the, what's the last thing that he says in Matthew uh, to us? He, he's saying, go into all the world. Making disciples, right? He didn't say go in all the world and tell them about the end times. He says, make disciples. Jesus didn't focus a lot on the end times. Now, he had a, he had a time with John in Revelation, right? He, I want the churches to know this. But look what he did. He started preaching to the churches first. He had, he had a letter written, I want the churches. And he didn't say to the churches, here, I'm going to give you the roadmap of what's about to happen. He said to them first, this is what I have against you, and this is what I have for you. Some of the churches he was, he was lifting up, some of the churches he says, we need some correction. So the beginning of the book of Revelation wasn't about get ready at the end time. He started off, you need to be on focus right now. 
You can't be lukewarm. You have to either be hot or cold. And hot and cold are both good things. Cold didn't mean they were a cold church. No, that, that, that's not what's going on there. I'm trying to stay on focus here. We've got to be ready. This day that we're in, yes, we're going to be curious. How does this line up? How does this, this line up in the end time? All of us are curious. We're, we're wondering about this. But here's the thing. Let's do not lose focus on what Christ is saying to us. We have to realize his return is evident. It, it's going to be coming very soon. It's imminent, that is. It's coming very soon. And so our task is to make sure people are ready for his return. And then we conclude with this verse as the musicians are coming back. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Are you reading that? How many times have you heard this verse? And most of the time when we use this verse, we don't give the context where it's at. Jesus is saying, don't worry about when I'm going to restore the kingdom. What you need to worry about is being receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you so you can be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we started with the book of Thessalonians. Jerusalem is here. Thessalonica is way up here. Hours and hours of journeying to that place where Paul preached the gospel and lives were transformed. He was fulfilling the mission of going to all the world. That's still the mission for us right now. As you stand to your feet, I want you to have the comfort of these words this morning. That God's grace is su sufficient for us. His blood covers our sins. That he wants us to walk right with him and we can. there's anyone in this room and we used to be kind of trained as like everybody close your eyes and bow your heads we don't do that because you already saw what it says if you reject this you're not rejecting man you're rejecting God I don't want to reject God so we got to be bold in our faith and everyone who's called on the name of the Lord and we shout I've been saved we're not ashamed of it every one of us has been in sin someone raised this first question how many in this room used to be a sinner? All of us. But then the second question comes up, how many wants their sins forgiven? I still raise my hand. I want my sins forgiven. So if you're here this morning and you never called on the name of the Lord or you've been away from the Lord for a while and you want your sins forgiven, forgiven so you're walking a fresh life without any hesitation I just want you to raise your hand I need God in my life right now is there anyone I'm going to give this open altar call come and join me down here I want to pray for you if you raise your hand if you want to walk fresh with Christ I want to pray with you then I want the rest of us to sing a song of encouragement how many knows that Jesus is on the throne but he's going to step out on the cloud. He's described as the lion in the land, the lion of Judah. We have salvation in him. He's the, he's the conquering king. Amen? And so we're going to sing a song of encouragement today that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ because Jesus conquered it all. And when you're walking with him, you have this faith. We prayed for our prodigals last week.
Today, we're lifting up our own self. I want to be right with the Lord. So you may want to find a place to pray or a place to celebrate. See, people don't always know why you're coming down. Sometimes it's like, I just want to be here to lift up my hands and worship. Sometimes it's because I want to come and be prayed for. Whatever that is today, let's respond to the word and let's worship the Lord this morning. Can we do this? The lion 
congregation and those who are watching online. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that covers us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, and we want to live a holy, sanctified, righteous life. I pray over this congregation that when they hear those words and stir something to offend them, they say, I want to be like that, and I want them to hear you can be like that. You can live righteous. You can live holy. Amen? And so, God, I pray a covering over this church. Lord, we're praying. We've experienced taste of revival, but Lord, we want to we want to experience the whole thing. We, we're praying for a flood of Holy Ghost revival, seeing lives change. And I, I want to give you this, this term right now. I want us to see a season of salvation. How many is ready for that? Lord, I pray into a season of salvation. Amen. Lord, I'm praying an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on us that we'll be witnesses for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.